0: You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, thank you again, Kevin, for being here this morning and uh, just giving us a, uh, a glimpse through the window of missions and uh, uh, being at a place where we just keep that as our focal point. John chapter 4 song that's kind of going through my mind this morning is getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Some of you just want to grab the hold hold of hand, the person right beside you, and just start singing that to them. You ever notice that as you get to know, it's the, we we talked last week that the more you get to know someone, you get to know their character. We've been talking about getting to know the third person of the Trinity, Uh, getting to know the third person of the Trinity even better. Uh, His name is Holy Spirit. His purpose or his role is to draw us into a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. His character is truth and his method is to reveal the mysteries of God. His method, the way that he draws us, his method is that he reveals the mysteries of God, that he desires for us to know the secret things. Have you ever had a moment where you thought you knew something only to realize you didn't know what you thought you knew? You ever have some of those times where you thought you knew something? Maybe you thought you knew everything there was to know about this one thing, but then you realize you didn't know what you thought you knew about everything you thought you knew about, and you thought you knew, but you really didn't. Sometimes we think we know that God desires to reveal the mysteries and to, to reveal to us the things that we think we know that God wants to show us what we thought we knew to reveal to us greater, greater truth and greater understanding. He wants to reveal as you're turning your Bibles in John chapter four, look what it says in first Corinthians two 10, but it was to us that God revealed these mysteries by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. That God wants you to know the deep secrets that he has for you. That he wants you and I to walk in a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And the method that the Holy Spirit uses and how he does that is that he reveals the hidden things of God. You know that Jesus many times talked in parables. And he said to certain ones, he said, when are you guys going to get it? I'm trying to speak to you. And he's saying those who don't believe or those who are are not of God, they don't understand. But when we have God or the work of the Holy Spirit, he enlightens us. Us so that we are able to understand the truth of God. So what is hidden to the world becomes revealed to the people of God. How many believe that today? That's the word of God and that's how he works, that he wants to reveal the hidden things, that what would seem a mystery that God wants to reveal to you and I. In John chapter 4, we get to see an interaction of Jesus with a certain Samaritan, not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. As we read this story, maybe you've heard of it in your, in your upbringing in church or, or maybe even coming to church, being around church. Maybe you have or haven't heard this story, but she's oftentimes in the Bible referred to as the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, we're going to look at this story, but Jesus is on his way from ministry that he had been doing. And after some time of ministry in a region there, Jesus had gotten word that the Pharisees had learned that Jesus had more disciples than John. Now, Jesus it just says that Jesus heard this and learned this, and so Jesus moved himself from this area because jesus didn 't want anything to do with that kind of stuff he didn 't want anything to do with about who 's better than who Jesus wasn 't about proclaiming his own self and his own ministry, he was about declaring the promises and the good things of God, and it wasn 't the right time Jesus just not having anything to do with that he 's on his way into Galilee, and the Bible says this that on his way to galilee he 's leaving from this place to the next place the Bible says he had to go through Samaria. Now Samaria was a place that he could have had one of three routes to go, but this was the shortest route for him to go, was through Samaria. But to get to Galilee, he could have taken what most Jews did, and they took the coastal route. They would go the the, the way that would sidetrack and not go, not go through Samaria, but be able to sidetrack it. He could have gone another way around that would not have been so far out of the way, but he still would have missed Samaria. But here is what it says: He had to go through Samaria. Now listen. And if he had to go, it wasn't because he didn't have any other options. I believe the Spirit was leading him because there was a divine appointment about to take place at that place called the well. Jesus shows up and the Bible says that he had to go through, Sam- or to Sam- or through Samaria and he arrives at Samaria about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. He's been traveling. He's had time of ministry. He's tired. He needs something to drink. He shows up and there's no one at the well. Well, of course not. It's not the time that people show up at the well. People show up in the morning before it gets too hot. They can get the, the water that they need for their morning chores and then he's there or they show up later after the lunch hour when it's time for the evening chores in the evening time to feed the animals and and to provide the water. So no one went to the well in the afternoon except this woman. Jesus is there, and as he's sitting there, the Bible says along comes a woman, a Samaritan woman. Jesus sees her coming, and Jesus says to her, he says, would you please get me a drink? She looks at him, and this is her response. She says, why are you asking me for a drink? I believe she was one of these feisty attitude kind of women. (laughs) What are you doing asking me? I mean, well, she just had the attitude. Jalen, show us how that... No, I'm kidding. That's Just kidding. Just kidding. She says, what are you doing asking me for a drink? She obviously knew that he was a Jew because his accent and the way he dressed, she knew that they weren't together, that they weren't of the same race, the same people. She said, what are you doing asking me for a drink? Jesus says to her, he says... If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask me to give you a drink. She says, yeah, because you really have something to draw out of the water. I mean, you don't even have anything to get a drink. Here it is, she's responding to what she thought she knew. Because she's in a level of operating in the natural, but Jesus is speaking on a different level. And Sometimes we live our lives and our walk with Jesus on one level, but he wants to take us to a deeper level. He wants to speak on another level. She says, you don't even have anything to draw from. What are you saying? Get, get me a drink. Jesus said, if you drink from the waters that I have, you'll never thirst again. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, get me a drink because I'm tired of coming back to this well. So if you get me a drink, I won't have to come back here anymore. Once again, she didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus responds to her. And Jesus says, Very well, yeah. Before we do that, though, go get your husband. And she says, kind of changes her tone a little bit. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're absolutely right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. Awkward, you know, one of those moments where like, well, this just got weird. And here's how she responds. Jesus says, of course you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. The guy that you're with right now is not your husband. And here's how she responds. Well, how about this worship situation? You know what she's doing? She's changing the subject. Have you ever talked to somebody, and as soon as you get to a topic they don't want to talk about? Hey, how about the Steelers, you know? Hey, let's... Let's change the topic here. Let's, let's change the focus a bit. You know, you've been in those conversations, right, where I don't like where this is going, so let's talk about the weather. It's really good outside. She's at one of these moments, and Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. And Jesus, or she responds to him and says, yeah, well, sir, all of a sudden her tone changes. She's now like this, you don't even have a ladle. You don't even have anything to draw from. Who do you think you are? Now she's like, well, sir, you're obviously a prophet, So tell me, Samaritans, we Samaritans say that we should worship from this mountain. In fact, let's just look at it. Here's what it says in John chapter four. Verse 19 is where we'll pick it up. She says, sir, she's all a little more proper now because Jesus just showed up in her living room. I mean, or bedroom, (laughs) even more. It was no longer just a stranger, just an acquaintance, just someone she ran into. Now he just showed up in the midst of her life. And Jesus said, I know what's going on in your life. She responds, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship?" Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now. Can I tell you this morning, it is time right now, because every time Jesus is on the scene, it's the right time. It's always the right now time, that anytime you're in the presence of Jesus, it's time for healing. It's time for restoration. It's time for provision. It's time for every need to be met because the time is always right when jesus is on the scene jesus shows up in her midst he says the time is coming and in fact it is now the time is here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth the father is looking for those who will worship him that way for god is spirit so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. We've heard of that. I know that. And I don't understand any of this right now. But when he comes, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Listen to what he says. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Here's my prayer today. God, teach us how to worship you in spirit and in truth. I don't know what that means. i got to be honest. I think I know what it means. But i got to be willing to say I'm okay with you showing me what I think I know and revealing what I need to know. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal your truth and your word in our hearts that we might be the worshipers that you're looking for in these days. Teach us how to worship in spirit and in truth. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So you think you know. You know, that usually shows up in a conversation when someone makes a statement and the person who has heard the statement responds with, oh, you think you know. Usually there's a defensive that rise up there that what you thought you knew is being called into question. And sometimes there are some things that what we think we know, we need to allow it to be challenged. Because what we think we know, we may not really know what we think we know. There was a diabetic man who uh, had gone to the hospital and, and uh, they began to treat him. And it came to a place where he needed to have insulin shots. And so he was was uh, being trained and shown how to take insulin shots. And so they administered, the nurse administered an insulin shot using an orange to show him how this works. And so they, they used that. They showed him and they used the orange to show him how to administer insulin shots. And so a couple weeks later, the nurse follows up with him and says, hey, I just want to see how you're doing and, and how things are taking place. He says, everything seems to be fine. He said, but I'm getting sick and tired of oranges. Is there another food that I could inject and eat? Now some of you are taking a bit of, Because what he thought he knew, he really didn't know. He thought he understood how to take the shot when he thought, oh, he had to put it in the orange. And they just used the orange to be an illustration or to show. But he thought you had to put it in the orange and then eat the orange. And that's how he got his insulin. So he's asking a question. Think of this. He's asking a question that because he thought he knew what he really didn't know, he was asking a question that really didn't matter kind of like the woman at the well that she says to Jesus in the midst of this, so where's the right place for us to worship? You see, because when you tend to live or do what you think you know, you tend to make issues out of stuff that really don't matter. You tend to spend your life, and, or not just your life, but you, you spend your energy, your worship, and your walk with Christ on things that don't really matter. True worship goes beyond proper position or even personal preference. True worship goes beyond proper position and personal preference. You see, the reason there was even an issue with the Samaritans and the Jews is because 700 years prior to this moment that Jesus had met this woman at the well, some 720-some years before that, Babylon had come in and taken over Jerusalem had taken over God's people. You know the stories. You can read it in the Old Testament. And it was an Old Testament event that happened some 700 years earlier. And they were taken captive. And the best of the best were taken out of the city of Jerusalem and were taken to Babylon. In fact, if you know the Bible stories, you may have heard names like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. It was during this time that they would have been taken out of Jerusalem and out of this place, God's place, and been sent to captivity And while they're there, they took the best of the best. And the only people they left behind, the only Jews that they left behind in Jerusalem and in Judea, in that region, the only ones who were left behind were the poor. The poor people were the ones that were left to take care of the crops, to be in that place. Some of it was because they didn't want anything to do with the poor people. They just wanted the people that had resources. So they left the poor Jews in Jerusalem and in that place. Some years later, they then have some Assyrian foreigners that move into the city. Some of them are sent in by Babylonian rule that they're sent in to kind of keep a watch or take over or, or to be in that area. So now you've got two people abiding in a run-down Jerusalem in Judea, a place that was God's people, the promised land, the place that God had given to them. And now you've got poor Jews remaining and you've got the Assyrian foreigners who have moved in. Over time the poor Jews began to marry the foreign Assyrians who were foreigners. And in that relationship, there was this this perception and, and this thing that they were the less than class. That when over time, when the Jews started to come back from Babylon and started making their way back to Jerusalem and back to the city, when they started coming back, this was this moment of, you are the poor foreign Jews We're you're the poor ones. We're the pure ones. You are the ones who have mixed blood in you You're not good enough. You're those people you're the less than we're better than so you can't worship where we worship And because of that clash a racial war began and they became called the samaritans Who worshiped in a separate place who were still had jewish jewish heritage jewish blood But they became a separate people and they became the samaritans And then we had the others That were the jews And they had this fight. You're not good enough to worship at our place. You worship up there. And they said, we don't want to worship at your place. We're here, and we've got Jacob's property, the the original, the the father. We've got Father Jacob, and we've got this. And there became this war between them. You remember the Samaritan woman that said to Jesus, I would even take a crumb off the ground. Why? Because there was this identity that you're less than. You might be here today, and you feel like you're in that world of you're less than. You might feel like you're a less than Christian. You don't have the testimony or, the, or your testimony's too, too gone, too far, too, too whatever you might think that you're not, you don't measure up, you don't have. And we can sometimes let this distraction and this thing divide us and separate us and we miss. And sometimes instead of worshiping, we can allow a cultural war and some things to rise up among us. Be careful that your view of worship doesn't create a self-righteous division That only becomes a distraction from God's glory. Let me say that again. Be careful that your view of worship. Doesn't create a self-righteous division. That only becomes a distraction from God's glory. Let me give you an example. In this story that we read. The division was. We're the Samaritans. We think it's right to worship here. You Jews think it's right to worship over there. Here's a modern day example. We sing the right songs. We don't sing the unrighteous songs. The songs that we sing for worship are more geared to to the deeper tradition and the real meaning. We don't sing the songs of the modern day that really have no value and no good. We say it things like, we believe we're doing it the right way in how we do worship, and those other people at the other church, they're not worshiping the right way. You hear how we do it in our circle? We create the divisions. We create the segregations. We create the points that we literally make it about what it's not. We begin to ask questions that don't really matter. We begin to make statements that have nothing to even do with the matter, that have anything to do with it. We, instead of becoming an attraction to God's glory, we become a distraction to his glory. Instead of attracting his glory, because here's what the issue is, what really comes down to the heart of worship, it doesn't matter what you and I like. The only thing that matters is, does this please the heart of Jesus? Jesus Christ, does this please the heart of God? I've had this issue being a worship leader. There have been times I've had this thought, man, I hope I sing songs they like. I hope I sing songs they like. And the Holy Spirit says, who do you think you're worshiping for? If you like the song, that's great. And we can only go so far. But if he likes the worship, we're gonna go even further than we can ever imagine. And we're addressing stuff that really doesn't matter. And we become divided or segregated by our preference." I heard a pastor one time, and uh, he had said, and it was a pastor, and I'm sad to even say that, but he made a comment. He said, rap music is of the devil. That's not true. It is true that I don't really care for rap music. That is truth. But music itself is not a sign to or from the devil. In fact, I asked Kevin this earlier. I said, I said, literally, in, in some of the places may have worked with, with African people, and there's some languages, but I know there's some African tribes that the majority of their conversation is through clicks. Like like they, they make noises with their tongues. And I think of them like that's so weird. How do they talk that way? I can't that's not even a language we would even think. I mean, literally they have they have clicks and they communicate with the with the noises that they make with their tongue. Am I right? That some of the communication that they have is not so much what we would think are words, but they're actually making sounds which to them are words. And I could look at that and I say, That doesn't fit in my culture. That doesn't fit in my perspective. That doesn't fit in how I see things. And I could judge their language as being not valuable or being less than. But in reality, they can speak the glory of God. I tell you what, the glory of God can come all over those clicks and those noises. And there can be a presence of the Lord that would be like sweet perfume. But I could miss what God wants because I'm sitting back saying, oh, they ain't worshiping the way we worship. If they really had the spirit, they'd sing these songs. The Lord only moves when you sing. I had one, God bless her, I was leading worship. I won't even tell you where it was. It wasn't here. And I'm honest. It wasn't here. I led worship and a lady came up to me afterwards. She said, oh, she really appreciated the song I sang. She said, no one ever sings that song anymore. She said, and that's what we're missing. Nobody's singing that song anymore. She said, every time I hear that song, it it just moves me and takes me back to when I came to know Jesus. And so I said, so was this the song that they were singing when you came? Yep, that's the song. I said, I bet you'll never quit loving that song, will you? She said, nope. I said, ma'am, keep loving that song. But remember, God said, sing a new one. Because if all you ever do is go back to where you started, you never end up where God wants to take you. Thank God for what we have. Thank God. But when we build the divisions and we make the divides, listen, I'm not saying it all has to be new. It all has to be old. I'm saying this. It doesn't have to be what we like. It only has to be what pleases the king. That's all that matters. If all we do is sit in a circle and say, la, 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 and the presence of God fails, that matters more. It doesn't matter. We're, We're looking at stuff that doesn't matter. That doesn't have anything to do with it. That has nothing to do," she says to says to him. "says We're we, this this example of, of how we're asking the questions when we worship in the spirit. Here's what I believe: it removes distractions so that we can see God's glory more clearly." When we worship in the Spirit, it removes distractions so that we can see God's glory more clearly. Can I tell you what worship is about? Worship is when I get into a place and I forgot you were even here because the presence of the Lord was in my midst and I didn't know there was anyone to my left or my right. I just knew who was above me and who was in me and who was around me and what he was doing in my life. I forgot you even showed up. No offense. What are you doing here? Think about it, when we connect with God. Now listen, that's not to the place where we disregard each other, but it's to a place where our worship is not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about his name. When we ask the questions, the worship, she's in this moment, and she immediately, I don't know if she's trying to be spiritual in this moment, you know, Jesus says, well, go get your husband. Well, on that note, how about worship? What about this place? And she changes the subject. And she's asking a question, and literally as she's doing that, she's trying to distract or to change the subject. And sometimes our worship, we got to ask ourselves, has our worship become a distraction to God's glory, or is it an attraction to his glory? Is our heart of worship attracting God's presence? Or is our personal perspective or our personal preference of worship distracting his presence? Jesus says to the woman, here's what he, he, he responds uh, uh, to the woman. He says these words in John 4, You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus is literally saying this, you don't know what you think you know. You think you know, but you don't know. You think you know what this is about and what this means. You, you think you understand. You know, i, I got to be at a place where I'm willing. And it could, it could almost seem a little harsh for us to say to each other, oh, you think you know, but you don't know what you think you know. Maybe we could say it this way, and it does feel a little better, or sounds a little better, but it does make the statement, maybe it's not what we think we know, but it's this, we don't know what God wants us to know. Meaning we don't yet know what he wants us to know that he wants to reveal the secret things. He wants to reveal mysteries. He wants to reveal truth that has nothing to do, not that has nothing to do, but has little to do with the stuff that we can sometimes get caught up in, that God wants to take us to a place where he reveals greater things. Can I tell you what this is about? When we started this at the beginning of chapter four, and Jesus, it says this of Jesus, he had to go to Samaria, or through Samaria. Is that in your Bible? The first part of John chapter four, the Bible said he had to go through Samaria. And we already pointed out there were three other options. All the other Jews knew how to go around Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria, but something in him became a compelling and a drawing and a control and a leading of the Holy Spirit that put him in a place that ordinary people wouldn't go. When everybody else was bypassing and everybody else was going around, Jesus said, I have to go through Samaria. Why? Not because there's not another option, but because there's a divine appointment waiting for me at that place. I'm living my life not because of how I feel, not because of what i I think not because of what I can comprehend but I'm living my life because I have to move in step with the spirit. I'm going this way not because it's just the way to get from point A to point B but because the spirit is ordering my steps. He is guiding me and directing me and when I walk in the spirit I walk into a divine appointment. Jesus showed up at an empty well at 12 in the afternoon. That's like saying whoever shows up at sheets at 3 in the morning. Well there are some people that show up at sheets at 3 in the morning. Forget that. Never mind. I mean, but you think of the places that who would ever show up at that time? That's not the busy hour. The busy hour is in the morning. It's in the evening. Jesus, what, he's showing up at that time because he was walking in the spirit of God and God had a divine appointment for him. You and I live our lives. Listen, we can live according to our understandings. And when we do, we bypass the divine appointments that God has for us. How many divine appointments have we bypassed because we've lived more on our understanding and not, on his spirit's leading. How many things have we bypassed and things that we missed? You know very little. He said to the woman, when you operate on limited knowledge, you produce on limited power. That makes sense, doesn't it? When you operate on limited knowledge, you can only produce, you'll only produce in limited power. You can produce on what you think you know or you can produce even greater when you know what he wants you to know. When you know what he wants you to know. There's a dangerous place where we can exist as Christians. And the dangerous place that we can exist, listen to me, we can exist as Christians in this dangerous place called my own understanding. We can live in this dangerous place where we do it all by ourselves. We can live in this dangerous place where we do it according to what makes sense to me. And this dangerous place of living according to your own understanding, this place we call our own understanding in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you you may know this scripture, but it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you the path to take. He'll lead you so that you won't bypass the divine appointments, but his spirit will lead you that when you walk according to his spirit and worship in spirit and in truth, he'll lead you to your divine appointment and you won't miss the appointments where everybody else is bypassing he'll take you right to the well at the right time to meet the right person at the right place so that he can lead you and lead you by his spirit how many believe we serve a God who has those kinds of acts and things in plan for our steps that he orders the steps of the righteous I'm glad to know he orders the steps of the righteous because sometimes he leads me into places and say God I don't want to be here but the good thing is if he led me here he's also going to lead me out How many are saying today, I'm waiting for God to lead me out. I'm trusting the Lord. I'm in some places right now that by the Spirit, I believe God has led me into. But he's going to lead me out because he's that faithful. He orders the steps of the righteous. That we walk according to his Spirit. Let me say this to you this morning. When it comes to worshiping in the Spirit, I don't know it all. But here's what I believe some things that God would say, this is what it means to worship in the Spirit. I don't believe this is everything. But here's some things of what it means to worship in the Spirit. Number one, it removes our distractions so that we can see his glory more clearly. But this as well, when we walk in the, or when we worship in the spirit, we quit limiting our walk to what we think we know and we allow God to reveal to us what he wants us to know. We quit walking or quit limiting our walk to what we think we know and he allows us or we, he we comes able to reveal to us what he wants us to know. We need to trade what we think what He wants us to know. You know, it's kind of hard to let go of stuff that you've kind of held on to and this is your way of doing it. That's how you've always done it and this is the way you... We can sometimes get caught up and I hear me, I believe this as well. I've had to say to a friend of mine, I sometimes fear that in a Pentecostal circle we can become idol worshipers because we worship the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit said... I didn't come to be recognized. I came to lift up Jesus. And we can sometimes make more out of the agent. And we become idol worshipers because we're worshiping a not just a byproduct, but we become building a worship around this and we miss that God said it wasn't for this to be all what it's about. This is to get you to where I want you to be, to know God, to know Jesus even better. The Holy Spirit said, I didn't come, or that Jesus said he didn't send the Holy Spirit to speak of himself. He's not going to promote himself. He's not going to promote himself. He's going to speak and promote Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? That he came to promote Jesus Christ. And so we've got to be careful that we don't worship what we think we know when in reality this is sometimes our perception and we get caught up in what we think and we miss the bigger picture and the greater things that God wants to lead us into. We've got to be careful that we don't limit what God wants to do. Here, Mark 16, 17. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. That is evidenced as signs. Signs. One of the signs that prove the evidence that we have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we speak with other tongues. That there is a sign and a recognition. Now, this is not a matter of speaking in tongues has nothing to do with salvation. Don't misunderstand that. Speaking in tongues has to do with an opportunity to communicate and connect with God on a level that's far deeper. When the woman at the well thought Jesus was saying this, Jesus was saying, no, I'm not talking about this kind of water. I'm not talking about this well. I'm talking about a deeper and a different well. I'm talking on another level. I'm not talking about the natural. And here's what we get stuck in sometimes and not being able to grow in the deeper things of God because signs and wonders will follow those who believe. How many want to see signs and wonders of God's miracle and his provision and the work of God in our midst can I tell you God never said pray for him It does, our issue is not we need signs and wonders. Our issue is we need belief. The Bible says signs and wonders will follow them who believe. So don't pray for signs and wonders. Instead, be like the father who had a son. And then in Mark chapter nine, the story says of this father who had a son and the son had been possessed by an evil spirit. The father said every time the spirit would come upon him that he would shake, he would foam at the mouth and he would throw himself in the water that he became a suicidal spirit. It became a destructive spirit. And the, this father took his son to the disciples and said, do something. We need help. The disciples couldn't do anything. they couldn't. The, the, nothing could, have, could work. Jesus shows up on the scene. He gets done being up at the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's up there uh, hanging out with, with uh, Peter and, and James and John. And as he comes down, there he is in the place uh, coming off the mountain. And he finds this commotion going on. What's going on here? The father comes to Jesus. He says, my son is possessed by a, evil, by, a, by a demon, and he throws himself in the fire. He foams at the mouth. He's destructive. Your disciples can't do anything with him and couldn't help. And he says to Jesus, he says, if you can, have pity on us. And here's Jesus' response. If I can? If I can? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm telling you this. Anything is possible for him who believes. And what's the man, the father of the son? He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Here's what we need to pray in the church. Not God, give us signs and wonders. We need to pray, oh God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me where I've limited you, where I've stopped you, where I've hindered and not allowing you to take me in a deeper place or to fill me. Can I tell you one of the things that hinders folks of being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that they can't make sense of it. I can't comprehend it. It doesn't fit in my logical mind. And it becomes a blockade and an issue because we cannot receive from God because we're limited. We can only receive what we can understand. Would you agree with that? And when we come to a place, we say, God, I believe. Now help my unbelief. God, help me to believe beyond what I can see. Believe in the borders to extend beyond what I can comprehend, beyond what I can understand. We don't have a sign and wonders problem. We have a believing problem. It's a believing problem that we see. You've heard it said that seeing is believing. Jesus would tell us believing is seeing. It's not seeing that creates the belief. It's when we believe, it'll create the seeing. That when we believe God, when we take him at his word, sometimes our unbelief is limited to our own understanding. You think you know, but he wants to reveal mysteries. I gotta tell you, there's something about Being in the presence of God, that when you're in the presence of God, it just, you recognize, God, you just showed up on the scene and I felt like my arms were tied. I felt like the doors were locked. I felt like the ceiling was coming down and all of a sudden the presence of God shows up and every door gets unlocked, every, every chain gets broken, every ceiling gets raised and all of a sudden it begins to expand my belief. Can I tell you what happens when we worship in the spirit and in truth? Number one, it removes distractions but number two, it expands our beliefs. It brings us to a place where we, we can believe God. We can understand. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you today to seek God for the more that he has for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close this morning. How many would acknowledge and say God has mysteries that he wants to reveal to his church? How, how many believe that? I realize there's a certain place of faith, or faith that'll make you sound like a loony. I, think about it. I'm going to trust God in this difficult situation. Well, every report I've heard says this. I'm going to trust God. This is what this says. This is what it looks like. This is what's going on. And by all means, I'm not going to deny, because when I pray in the Spirit, I don't pray with my mind. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says that, that we, when we pray in the Spirit, we pray to God, which is why in the church... Paul was trying to set in order because there was a speaking in tongues problem. Paul's like, y'all are speaking in tongues trying to have your badge. I speak in tongues. I got my song and dance. And Paul says, you're missing it. That's not what this is about. It's about prophecy. It's about edifying the church. It's about building the body of Christ. And Paul's making this distinction. He's giving order that there has to be the interpretation. There has to be prophecy. And Paul says, when you pray in the spirit, nobody understands that. When you pray in the spirit, you pray to God. So Paul says, what am I going to do? Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14. So I will pray with both my spirit and with my mind. There are times that I have, I pray with my mind. I pray with my mind. But here's the bottom line. There are times when I'm praying for my children and I begin to pray for my children. I pray, God, cover them. Lord, let there be a covering and a blessing. But then there are times when I pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit then begins to quicken, not just a general prayer, but He gives me a specific prayer. When I pray in the Spirit, it's no longer now just this general covering. Lord, bless all the missionaries. and other Kevin Folk and all their families, Lord, we pray you'd bless them. That's great. You pray with your mind. But then there's moments when you pray in the Spirit, and when you pray in the Spirit, you begin to declare things that are not as though they were. You begin to agree with the Spirit of God, and you begin to speak. God has given me words over my children that from the time before they were even born, as we knew they were coming, I began to pray over them. And early on, the Lord began to give me words, and I pray those same prayers over my kids because it was birthed in the Spirit. As I was praying for my kids, There are certain words and certain things that I'm praying over my kids that I know the Spirit of God gave me. And I'm declaring and I'm praying and I'm agreeing with the Spirit. And you know what that means? When I agree in the Spirit, I can touch anything in His name and it shall be done. That I can ask according to His promises, according to His truth, and according to His Word. And I know we might think, well, my, don't you think you're something? No, I think what the Bible says is true. And I believe what He told me. And He said it, so I believe it. I don't think I'm anything. I don't think I'm anything other than what the word of God tells me I am. And his word says that when we walk in the spirit, that when we worship, here's what he says, these are the worshipers that he's looking for. These are the worshipers that he's looking for. Church, we can do church without the Holy Spirit. You can raise your family without the Holy Spirit. You can raise your family coming to church, having Christian things around. We can do it. But then there's something about doing it in the power of God. To be able to say, God, I need your help. So God, what I think I know, help me not be limited to what I think I know. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I might know what I need to know. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? So that our worship and our living for God is not just according to what we think we know, but in our time with God, he reveals his truth and his word and he shows us the mysteries of God. Amen? How do we get there? Number one, we believe. You gotta believe it. Number two, seek it. Number two, you, you gotta ask God. The Bible says you gotta ask. If you, We're gonna talk about this next week, about the gift that he, that he has for us. We, we ask And lastly, what do you do? You worship. You worship. The the kind of worshipers that he's looking for are those who worship him in spirit and in truth. When I worship God, it's not about what I can get from him. It's about how good he is. And when the door opens and the perspective opens to how awesome he is, he's kind of like that dad that just blesses and it came out of places I wasn't even expecting it. He just blesses and I wasn't even... Man, I didn't. I just love being at your feet. I just love being at your presence. And all of a sudden, in your presence, you are going to give me this. You are going to you are going to let me have this. I was content with just being with you and knowing you and knowing you love me. But you've got even more in store for me. You believe that this morning? If you believe that this morning, would you stand to your feet? And with this worship team, as we leave, just before we walk out these doors, would you just with worship, just worship him in spirit and in truth this morning. Come on, let's just go before the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is he. Come on, declare. He is holy. He is holy. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.